to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. How's everybody doing today? So today I have something a little different for you. We've been talking about Horizons for a couple of weeks, and I uh, wanted to point out to you there's a site out there called Mesa Verde Times. It's mesaverdetimes.blogspot.com. And there's a couple of guys who are out there doing the, uh, writing the site. And why it's interesting is because these guys really decided to document Horizons in a very unique way, and I'm going to let them tell you about it and uh, let you go through it. So we've got on us with us right now, um, Hoot Gibson, who is the, uh, I guess you would call him the, the leader of the pack. Is that about right, Hoot? That's about right, yeah. <laughs> so very cool. So what did you do to document Horizons? Well, before I get to that, let me ask you the question about why did you want to document Horizons? Well, you know, that that is an important thing right there. Uh, Chief and I weren't exactly the kind of guys to go out and cause trouble or anything. So it was kind of a rare occasion for us, but... Uh, we had grown up on Walt Disney World property, you know, kids. Sure. So we're like the first generation to really get into the rides and things. But we watched a lot of our old classics die. I think the first was If You Had Wings. Right. And all of a sudden, these things that you had loved for so long weren't permanent anymore. So Horizons closed, and it was one of our favorites. And we had nothing. We had like <laughs> three pictures and, you know, a crappy video. And we felt really bad. And then by some stroke of luck, they reopened it while Test Track was being built. Right. Over at World of Motion. And we couldn't help ourselves. We just had to go in there and do what we did because we couldn't let it slip away. And that's exactly it. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a, a longtime fan of Disney too. I mean, I grew up in South Florida and I lived in Orlando for five years and you know, was was there as often as I could get there. I just I love I love everything about it. But you're right. When they take something out and they remove something, there's a certain I don't know I don't know if the word sadness quite captures it, but there's a certain feeling I get. It's like wow, piece of my childhood is gone in a way. Right, right. And it, Things and that you thought were permanent, you know, yeah. you never would imagine that rides like if you had wings or Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea would just disappear. Right. And then it came to be Horizon's turn, I guess. And you were the right age at the right time at the right moment in your life. And uh, so how did you go about documenting what Horizons was? Well, the planets were in line for sure at that time. We both had boring jobs sitting behind computers. So we had plenty of time to think and, you know, come up with what we were going to do out there. And it, it actually started pretty innocent. We thought, well, you know, we got like a week or two before they close it again. We'll just get some video riding through, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just occurred to us watching it over and over again after we came home, you know, what what's keeping us in the car? <laughs> you know, why can't we be on that set documenting all that cool stuff? And Chief, being the wild card he is, I mean, this guy, he's he's always been fearless, you know. Mm-hmm. without a whole lot of regard for authority. <laughs> but uh, he was actually the first one to just get out. And we thought, you know, we're going to push the limits until we, one of three things happens. We either get tested, they close the ride, or we die. Okay. Yeah. I guess it was that middle one that happened that ultimately. Um, yeah. <laughs> because you clearly we got chased around, but... You know, I... <laughs> I can't vouch for you being arrested, but I assume you weren't at any point. No, no. Um, and, and I just wanted I wanted to throw out there, and this is for anybody who's listening who, who thinks about this. You know, there's, there's 
this is not a good thing to do. Just just for anyone who's listening, you know, it, it, there's safety reasons that you shouldn't do this. Not not to mention security reasons, but there's safety reasons you shouldn't do this. The, the moving ride vehicle is dangerous. I do know of someone. Or remember when I was working there, uh, there was someone who fell off the uh, haunted mansion ride and actually got caught in machinery and was killed. So it's a very wow. dangerous proposition. So just yeah, I want to throw that out there for anybody who's listening who's thinking about that. Plus, of course. Yeah, I'll second that. I mean, it, it was really really dangerous in there. I mean. Once you're inside the inner workings of this thing, there's there's no guardrails or things to protect you. Right. And you're talking about massive machinery and darkness and yeah, we we got hurt a couple times, but like I say, we had to do it. So so you documented the ride and you went through and you uh, you you uh, videoed from kind of the behind the scenes look, right? You took pictures and you videoed and you documented the heck out of it. Right. So now you've got you've got this wealth of information about it. Um, so, I mean, I guess that that was the reason for putting together the uh, website. Is that, that about right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, there were a lot of Horizons tributes online right around that time when it closed. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody seemed to have their own little tribute. And we just, I don't know, we just really didn't want to be a part of that. Just didn't want to do it, really. Right. And, you know, this information was just for us. So someday we wind up in the old folks' home to watch it. <laughs> hey, remember back when we were 20 and we were... <laughs> yeah, and I honestly thought no one would care when I started this blog a year ago. I really thought we'd have like seven followers and that'd be cool with me, you know. And I'll just start putting this stuff up there for, for anybody who's interested yeah. and come to find out, wow. It's amazing to me how how, how popular this ride really was. Um for the for the relative lack of attendance that they had toward the end, uh, you know that was uh, clearly that was one of the reasons that they closed it. I mean, I know, I know there are other reasons, but lack of attendance is one of them. Um, it's amazing how many people kind of came out all of a sudden and say, "I love this ride. It was my favorite ride." Yeah, and, you know, exactly. These and you know, all these things happening and people talking about it and you know, like all this all this pre-production material that showed up online. It's amazing to me just how how wonderful this ride was, how rich this ride was, and people really did love it. Uh, and, you know, yeah, they, they really did. And it's, I, it's strange. Yeah, it is strange, because when it was there, it was almost like nobody cared. It, it, I saw the same thing with Mr. Toad Clothes. I think it was the only one, the other one I could really compare it to. You know, suddenly right. Suddenly started talking, you know, stopping by and going, I love Mr. Toad. And it's like, where did that come from? You, know, <laughs> you didn't love it was running. Wait a minute. Um, I think Mike, Mike Lee has a... Do you know Mike Lee, Widen Your World? Yes, I do, actually. Yeah, he's uh, got a blurb on there about, you know, it was everybody's favorite ride, dot, 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 the second it closed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talking about if you had wings. Like, no one took pictures of that thing on the inside. Well, I think part of the problem there was when that one closed, because I think it closed in about 1983 or so, around there somewhere. No, I think it was 87, somewhere in there. Because we were in school at the time. Okay, okay. Um, you know, but there weren't, there wasn't the propensity of video cameras and digital cameras, and you know, the ability to uh, to record things the way there is today. Um, yeah, that's true. And I, th- I think that made a huge difference. I mean, your ability to be able to document it through your through your video and your and your camera really made a big difference, I'm sure, because you had this digital media you could work with, or even if it was videotape, you had it. It was it was accessible anyway. Right, right. Um, whereas uh, you know, later it just earlier it wasn't there. Um, so, all right. So you have you had an adventure doing this. So how long how long were you doing this? I mean, you, you obviously did this for a while. 
well, we figured it would be two weeks, like I said, you know, because nobody really knew when Test Track was going to open. Right. And luckily, it had so many problems that it wound up being roughly, well, about a year and a half, two wow. years, something like that. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. Two, two weeks. <laughs> I know. It, we were just loving it, you know. We actually got to the point where we were starting to run out of things to, to look at. You know, it's like, hey, you want to go down under the sea and see if we can get down there or get up here or whatever. And then, you know, we had a list running of ideas, and we were out. We we completely ran out. That's amazing. Um, you know, and the, and the ride is fairly long. Uh, I don't remember what the ride length was exactly off the top of my head, but I know it was fairly long. So, that you know, there was a, there was a lot, of, lot to see there. Um, oh, yeah. But I guess over the course of two years of doing this fairly regularly, <laughs> it uh, ends up pretty quick. It's it's amazing how much detail is in there. I always say that on the blog. You know, and that that's the other thing. Over the last few weeks, I've been um, posting. Uh, I, I did a I did a segment uh, about three weeks ago where I had um, I talked about the ride and the way it was the the way it came about and what it was and how it how it was developed. And over the last two, I did more about uh, I rode along with the uh, with the rider in the in the ride, and I just voiced over the the ride audio and just kind of talked about the things that you saw and how it was relevant. And I was amazed at how much detail there was in there. So, yeah, a lot of things that, you know, just riding the ride, you would have never seen probably 80% of the detail in there. You know, like the little CD disc on the, the girl's computer. They had labels. They had names. You know, so so great. That's amazing. I mean, you know, because they went to such a level of detail with it that uh, that really that really made everything work. I, I truly think that was the last attraction that had that kind of detail. I mean, if you think about it, you know. Living Seas was next, and I don't know. That kind of fell short as far as I was concerned. I never really got into that. No, you're right. And this this one, I, what I loved about it was it captured the sense of imagination. Um, you know, uh, we talked about how the storyline contributed, uh, continued from uh, what what was the Carousel of Progress into this into this Horizons exhibit and looking into the future. And I I loved the concept of how. Um, George McGinnis and some of the other Imagineers kind of took that concept and said, hey, we're going to follow the family into the future, into different things that they do. And I just, I just thought that was really amazing that Disney thought it through to that level, that they wanted oh, to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's certainly the old school we were all used to, you know. <laughs> exactly. And that, that was my point. It was, the, it was the thing that they really thought about everything, every detail in it, and they made it so specific about certain things that happened. And, you know, they had painters and artists and, you know, forced perspective and things like that that, uh, that really made it special. Right. Even the scents. I mean, no one will ever forget that orange fragrance. No, and I, actually, I'm kind of glad that you brought that up because I am glad that they brought it back to the, um, to the, uh, the, um, the California, the, um, the uh, what's the name of it? Thorn? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it still exists in some way. They use the smellitizer or the smellitzer or however you say that. Um, they still use the technology, at least, and have the orange smell there. So I feel good about that piece of it, at least. It's not lost completely. Um, you know, I don't even go out there. I haven't even been on Soren. I feel bad, kind of. <laughs> I haven't been out to Epcot in probably eight years now. I just, it, for some reason, I have no desire to go anymore. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm, I was at uh, Epcot back in November. And it was, you know, it's not the same Epcot that you remember. The world is smaller, so, you know, you, certain things you just don't feel the same about. You know, it was neat when you went into these pavilions and you had no access to these countries before. But now that right. you have access to them, it seems, it seems smaller. But they still take some of that detail. Like, Soren is just an amazing attraction, just the thought that went into designing the attraction. I know it's simple, and I know it's just 
you're just watching a movie, really. But the technology behind it and the way they developed it and some of the things, they're very clever. I'll give them that. Um, it just, you know, it, it lacks, you know, there's, there's nothing more to it than just, it's like the one piece of the uh, Omnimax movie in Horizon. That's really what it is. Uh, with a piece right. of technology that brings you there. And, you know, in a sense, it's, you know, it's like a, a small portion of it, but it, it lacks the, the overall detail piece. Um, so you, uh, you know, you, you could probably speak to this. How many, you know, just how many audio animatronic figures there were in in, the Hori- in Horizons when they built it? I mean, is that right. a, they were literally uh, there was like almost a hundred in there or something like that. It's just so many. Uh, that they like a hundred and uh, someone sent me an email on statistics of the ride. Okay. Which, which you know, we never got into that sort of thing. And I, I didn't mean to offend anyone when I posted on there, you know, we don't care who designed it or who built it. Sure. We we care. It's just that we're not, uh, how, how would you say it, you know? It's, it's not it's not relevant to you enjoying the ride in a sense, right? Right, right, right. Exactly. And I can understand that. I mean, I, I, and that's why I wanted to present, you know, your your view on this, too, because I was trying to get a whole picture of, of Horizons. That's my whole deal here. I'm, I'm trying to draw in the whole whole concept, the whole feeling that was Horizons, because Horizons was, like we said, it, it was special. It, it was really something different. Um, it was. Disney never never really recaptured after that. That was, you, I think you're right, it was the last one that really had that true sense of wonder and adventure. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Test Track, for example, or, you know, Mission Space. They just don't have that same sense, that same depth for them in some way. Right. It, and also, it was the last real optimistic view of the future. Because mm-hmm. you remember, you know, in 83 and in the 80s, we started having movies like Terminator, <laughs> you know. And it, the future became very bleak. Yeah, it, it definitely changed and got darker. Um, yeah, this is the optimistic view of the future. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, that was a, a classic Walt Disney vision of tomorrow. Yeah, you know, so the people that pulled it off really, really followed that old formula, you know. Give us something to hope for, for crying out loud. That's a, gr- that's a great point, and something that I've been, it's been rattling around in my head, you just articulated it, is that you know, Walt Disney was the true visionary, the dreamer, and really thought about you know, things in a, in a very optimistic sort of way. I mean, his, everything he did was more optimistic than I'd say most other people are. Yeah, a great, big, beautiful, beautiful tomorrow, you know. Exactly. That line right there. And that's exactly it. And so he was always the optimist in looking ahead and thinking about things in a, in a, broad, in a, in a grander sense of, of something positive, where a lot of times you, you hear about different things, you know, more of the stuff that's going on today, it's about the immediate attention or it's more negative or it's just it doesn't have any flavor to it at all. Um, you know, as you look around to different attractions that have been built since or that have been revived since, uh, you know, I... When, yeah, I think... Um yeah, the world definitely lacks that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to see it again. I I really hope that in, at some point there's a future living attraction built at Epcot. You know, I don't know if we'll see it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I mean, with the changes in the company and everything, who, who knows? I promise them if they're listening, I will remain seated. <laughs> if they go ahead and build that, I promise. <laughs> we'll remain seated. <laughs> Throughout your blog, you talk about you know getting off the ride and, and doing different things, and you know putting video cameras different places and getting the feel for it. So, did, did you ever, you know, I, I guess there were there were some instances where security kind of was after you in some cases. 
It was uh, actually a, a maintenance guy chased this one time. So if he's listening to this, you know, sorry, dude, we gave you a chase. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was kind of scary. I guess we, we had gotten a little cocky by that point. Sure. Because all this happened over such a span of time. It started out simple enough, and then we just kept pushing it. See, just how far we could get until we finally were able to live in the rot. Well, I think our longest time in there was like eight hours. Wow. And we just climbed around everywhere, yeah, around the sets and things. But, yeah, after the after the chase, we kind of got a little more cautious about, you know, where we were and what we were doing. So Sure, sure. Luckily, by that time, we pretty much covered it. <laughs> I would imagine you had, would have by that point. Um, <laughs> so uh, I know you, you know, you did some backstory checking too, because you know, the, one of the one of the famous things about that ride that I always remembered, and I've talked about this to other friends along the way, was that redhead that was in the video. You know, it was something about her that was just striking, and I remember seeing her in the, the first time I went through. I was like, wow, she's pretty good looking. You know, one of those things. Yeah, you know what's funny. I won't mention her name here because I, I know who she is. Okay. And I've actually talked to her on the phone. Wow. And she uh, doesn't want to have anything to do with it. That's amazing to me. So she kind of gave me the nice, oh, I don't really remember that. <laughs> you know, but she's on the phone with me, and I'm going, oh, my God, the redhead is on the phone with me. Please. <laughs> It gives a whole new meaning to we wants the redhead. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my wife hates it. <laughs> She's like, why do you care so much? God, well, you don't understand. It was funny, you know, she used to come with us out there, mm-hmm. and after a few rides through, she just didn't really care about it. She'd go off shopping at Japan or something while we were in there pulling her monkey shines. That's funny. But, yeah, she always asked me, oh, is this really worth it? What if you guys get killed? And I said, well, you know, if I die, a chief will call you and tell you. (laughs) We weren't married at the time, but I'm like, this is too important. Sorry, I I don't know what to say. And I I truly appreciate where you're coming from. I mean, you know, I I really, you know, I find it hard to imagine myself jumping off the ride. That's just not something I would do. But I really respect the fact that you did it because it did need need documentation. Um, As you... You know, as you pointed out, the Widen, Widen Your World guy, um, he, he pointed out something interesting, that when they took down If You Had Wings, they just kind of destroyed the set, and they just pulled it out. Right. And I saw that happen as a, as a cast member. I saw that happen on a couple of different occasions with different things that were around, not necessarily an attraction, but different things that they'd take down. That the maintenance guys or the construction guys would just come in and destroy it and put something yeah. else in its place. And there was a certain amount of sadness I had with that. Uh, I didn't like to see those pictures online of, the building actually being demolished. Yes. yes I'm in fact, it, it kind of put things to sleep in my head. I mean, we had done what we did, and when I saw that sad footage, I was like, I don't know, I didn't think about Horizons for a while. Hmm. You know, I just, it's just like, man, it's gone. I mean, <laughs> the building doesn't even exist anymore, you know? No, Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's one of the sad things. Some of the other rides, the buildings still exist, and you can still have that sort of feeling when you walk by it, you know, like, like the, uh, yeah. um, if you had wings, uh, it's now the Buzz Lightyear ride. At least the building's still there. Um, yeah. Same entrance way and, mm-hmm. and, and that. 
be a whole other story when they expand Fantasyland. That that won't be the same. But uh, yeah, we'll see what they do. If they put a nod in there or something, 20,000 leagues, they might. You never know. Yeah, never know. Um, but that's, that's interesting. So, um, so yeah, so you, you had this – I mean, I, I'm just – I'm just amazed at this adventure. I spent a lot of time uh, riding that ride. Uh, I worked for General Electric for a short period of time and used to go into the, uh, the lounge up on the second floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was always kind of interesting to, to visit. And then, you know, you go in the back way and hit, hit the ride. And I, you know, I'd ride the ride a couple of times and just go around on it. It was, it was just cool. You know, it was really kind of neat. Um, it was. It was immersive. I mean, even down to the audio, the, the audio tracks, there were so many. Mm-hmm. Just little in, incidental speakers playing here and there, you know. Right, right. Just wonderful. Yeah, just just an amazing thing. So I, you know, I I really like I said, I really appreciate what you did. So, do you have any have any really good, compelling stories that you that you love? Something you look back finally on and go, man, that was that was worth it because. Well, I think the whole thing. I think the whole thing. Uh, Keith and I have always been friends, but <clears throat> this has kind of pulled us even closer together. Because we're just watching, man. We're watching this stuff. You know, and he's on the tapes rubbing his mouth and cussing. I think it's great. But, yeah, I mean, it, it makes it all worth it. The number one thing is is people who like the blog. Right. That has made it worth every second. Because we have met some characters, you know, through this thing. We've actually gone out and, and had lunch with them, you know. So anybody's listening you want to go out to lunch with Hoot, who is <laughs> <laughs> not afraid to take up a free lunch, right? That's right. I wouldn't do that. Lunch and go talk about uh, Horizons anyway. <laughs> and um, the best one started early on with this band called Hadley's Hope, okay. local band here. And uh, Kyle, longtime Mesa Verde Times follower, is uh, the guitarist. And they invited us out for a show. So we we actually went. Here we are. You know, we're getting older, but we're around all these young kids and stuff. But the best part was Kyle has the Horizons logo spray painted on his amp. Oh, how and cool. And he's up there wailing the guitar and jumping off this amp. And I'm like, that's something I never expected to see. <laughs> <That's very cool. laughs> but there's this younger generation who are just little kids when Horizons Opener was running, and now they're just you know, the fan base is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing because people, a lot of people miss this. And, you know, because they were younger or because they just missed it, you know, it was an overlooked attraction or maybe they just went when they were younger and they don't remember it. But the, the fact that there is video of it and that you can ride it now kind of virtually, at, you know, through YouTube or whatever, or whatever site you pick, uh, it's kind of neat because you can kind of relive it in some way and remember it for what it was. Or, of course, you can get more detail by going to Mesa Verde, Mesa Verde Times. Um, and oh, I, I meant to comment on the name. I thought that was a classic name, you know, taking the Mesa Verde because it takes the, you know, takes the place where the orange scent happens. So right, <laughs> that was our favorite scene. I don't know why it was just so cool. It was cool. I, you know, there was something about the forced perspective they use and the crops growing in the desert and the fact that they had these machines that were harvesting the orange oranges. Excuse me, um, was just really amazing. Uh, I just thought that was a very clever use of innovative ideas and concepts. Yeah, we spent a lot of time there. We actually made our base camp underneath the the granddaughter scene, the redhead scene. Yep. That was a great little place to be. It even had a power outlet oh, so we could recharge batteries. And <laughs> but you can clearly tell no one had, had been in there since they built the place. Sure. No one had been underneath that part. 
I mean, the dust was like an inch thick on the floor. Wow. It's pretty amazing. You can find beer cans in there. We found some old uh, Schlitz malt liquor cans in there. (laughs) Somebody had chucked it down there at one point, you know. We found a pallet of paint. You know, I guess whoever was painting the backdrop there Mm -hmm. left their pallet, and it was still there. Wow. Wow. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. You know, and and that's part of the backstory that makes this really interesting. You know, these... There were artists and Imagineers and engineers and mechanics and all kinds of other people who were in there doing work on this on this attraction when it was being built. I mean, it took I think 18 months to build, and it just you know you think about the, the amount of effort that went into it. Um, yeah, demolished the way it was over the course of you know a couple of weeks. Just incredible. Real art, real talent. You know, real that real old school talent mm-hmm. went into yeah. that. I remember seeing a picture of someone, like now his name escapes me, there was a picture of someone who was an artist painting one of the backdrop scenes, and he was standing on a, he was standing on a scaffold painting it in place. And I oh, yeah? Wow. That's just, you know, it's just amazing to me that they went to that level of detail. I mean, today they'd probably have it painted, you know, on a canvas somewhere or reproduced on a computer somewhere or something, rather than having an artist standing on a scaffold and do it. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing. I actually worked with a woman years ago who painted on those backdrops. Really? And I guess the last thing she did was the black light stuff in Future from the 50s, but not real. that wasn't really detailed painting, and no. she didn't like it. <laughs> she was like, I can't see with all those darn lights on, those black lights on. <laughs> but it's funny, the people that worked on the ride, you can't really find many people who even remember that they did. Kind of funny. Yeah, because it was it was another job to them for some to some degree anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. At the time, you know, Disney was doing some amazing things with some of the uh, some of the rides and shows, and they really had thought through a lot of these. They would just hire people to do the do the drawings or do some of the mechanical work or whatever, and they do it, and they move on to the next thing because there was just so much going on. They just finished Epcot and they started working on this, and uh, I guess you know I guess it kind of gets lost in some cases, but they but they did work on it just because there was so much happening. Yeah. Amazing. It was the the one year later ride. Right, exactly. Opened on the first anniversary, right? I'm not mistaken. But it sure gave you hope for, you know, further stuff like that. I mean, I remember, uh, wow, was I middle school when Horizons opened? Something like that. And, uh, no, high school, I believe. But I remember going in December 83 was my first time on Horizons. And I was just floored by it all. I did a report at school about it, <laughs> you know. Wow. Just wow. floored by it. It, it, it was amazing. That's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I was in high school when it opened. And like I said, having worked for GE for, for a period of time and being, you know, not quite to the extent you were, but a part of the ride because I was I was going to the, the, the lounge all the time and then just heading down, it, it felt more like I was in tune with it in some way because I was always there around it. And it, it became... I don't want to say a part of me, but it sort of became a, a part of me where I was more just more involved with the ride itself, and it was just really amazing. And I, you know, I started looking for those details. Right. Something of, hey, let's see what's, you know, let's see what's in this scene and see what's there, and you know, what what really goes on there. And you ride it four or five times, and you finally figure something out, and you go, oh, okay. So I uh, actually got a weird picture from a guy. He sent up a uh, uh, picture of that robot arm camera that used to be on the roof. And wasn't that part of the lounge? I heard it was actually. Like, you could 
you could sit in the lounge and you could actually um, control it with a joystick and look around the park. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. It was really cool. You'd move around and you'd look around the, uh, look around the park and be able to see different things. It was, it was really cool. <laughs> I remember seeing it up there all the time on the roof. Mm-hmm. And then someone finally told me that's what it was. It was oh. for the people in the lounge. I was like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, like I said, I loved going up there because the people that were there, they were GE employees, not Disney cast members. Right. But this was their job, was to be hosts in the lounge. And it was just, it was an incredible job when you think about it because they were there just to meet people and, you know, kind of do the song and the dance thing and, you know, make sure people were happy and whatever. But, you know, you'd sit up there and you'd have a drink or what, you know, they'd have sodas and chips out and stuff like that. And they could do special events if you wanted it. They could help you with dining reservations. But you had that TV with the, with the camera on it. It was like, this is so cool. <laughs> that is awesome. I used to sit there and play with that for, like, you know, half an hour. My girlfriend would tell me, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's so cool. Yet another small detail. Yeah, exactly. And those are the things that really, and that's why I say for me, the ride, you know, it's a little different than your experience, but yet I think we all share the experience of Horizons being something special. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm glad people are coming out of the woodwork, yeah, you know, we, finally saying, and, hey, and that was great. That was the thing. Well, you know, when I first put together, uh, I started wanted to. My, my idea was just to put together a bunch of Disney links on a, on a website. That's what I started off as. And then I said, oh, I want to write a blog. And one of one of my first blog entries was about Horizons. And I was like, Why am I writing about Horizons? Just in the back of my mind, I'm like, Why am I writing about this? And then it occurred to me because I have to say something about it. You know, just about the whole experience and how it was special. And as I started to think up doing a podcast, the first thing that came to mind was I need to do a whole segment on Horizons and everything I can think of about Horizons. So it became like a multi-part segment you know many parts now right it just was so special and uh, it's, it's always good to talk to somebody else who understands that and appreciates it well you know we thought originally oh this blog will last about a year you know we don't really have that much stuff <laughs> you know here's we hit a year on monday oh wow and i'm looking at all the rest of this media and i'm like oh man i gotta either get on the ball and start posting every day or something we're never going to end. <laughs> you keep doing this forever. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'd like to think in some small way, though, that we helped revive, you know, this craze, this Horizons craze that's happening, yeah, you know. And maybe there's, maybe there's some hope that, you know, as, as um, Disney people listen to this, and I know Disney people get out on the, on the web and they, they hear some of the podcasts. I know they don't listen to everything and they don't read every scrap. But I know that they do go on the web, and they're, they're doing market research for the most part, but they find out about things. And if, they're, if in some small way you or I or anyone else can contribute to shaping the direction that Disney goes and realizing how imaginative they can be, maybe that's a good thing. Right. It doesn't all have to be gone. Right. You know, there's still talented people out there. There's still talented people at, you know, Imagineering. Mm-hmm. It can be done again. Yeah. And as you look around the world and you hear about different, different uh, you know, parks opening and different attractions in different parks, I'm fascinated by some of the imagination that goes into some of them. You know, I'm, you know I give them a lot of kudos for some of the things they did. I just was just listening to uh, someone talking about the, uh, mon- the new Monsters ride at uh, Tokyo Disneyland, and it sounds phenomenal. It really sounds like it captures the imagination in a different way, but it captures some imagination. It is very clever. And, uh, right. you know, I, I hope that that sort of, you know, uh, experience continues where they think about things in a very um, imaginative way and start to develop more rides and shows like that. Yeah, I have a son now, you know, and he's 10. And I really love him to see something like that, something positive. Right. You know, the future's not so bad. 
<laughs> you know, it's not the end times here, kid. You know, look what can be done. Because you used to come away from Epcot as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I know this is true for me. I, I used to go home and just be flooded with ideas. And, you know, I had actually learned something that day. Yeah. You know, you felt very cultured. You felt very educated all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, now you know about energy, you know about future living. And it just, it sparked a lot of creativity. That's one of my favorite things about Disney, the fact that Disney would take the time to teach you something without you really realizing you were learning something. You'd right. Having been slightly educated about a topic or something. And you'd walk away and you go, hey, I, I learned that. Where did I learn that? Oh, I learned that at Disney. You know, I learned something about energy. Yeah, they didn't beat you in the face with it. They right. just, it was so, so entertaining as a show mm-hmm. that you learned and were inspired. Right, right. I mean, I, the attention to detail, there was a, there's a scene in the, in the uh, sea exploration part of uh, Horizons where the, the kids are talking before they go out to, the, uh, to go underwater. And, you know, the, the instructor is asking them, how often do we check our tanks? You know, and one of the kids says, yeah. or more often. And I'm like, you know, I used to dive, and I know that that's, that's the rule. But <laughs> diving, <laughs> I learned it from them. I was like, so when I went to my dive class, they said, so how often do we check it? I said, oh, every 10 minutes? <laughs> Or more often. <laughs> oh, that's great. But it's it's amazing how you do learn things, and you just see them, and they they just kind of happen, and it, it is sort of it just sort of happens for you as you're sitting there, and, and you don't right. know about it. it. Really is incredible. Oh man, I gotta get me some of those magnetic boots. <laughs> that's what I need. And put a piece of metal on the ceiling and walk around. That That'd would be, be awesome. Isn't it? And I need a floating dog. I think you should let your son have them and say, hey, he'll say, hey, mom, hey, mom, what if I float away? <laughs> <laughs> your father, as soon as he manages to get your shoe. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. Poor dad's up there on the ceiling trying to grab a shoe for years. That's funny. It's awesome. That's yeah, very cool. Hey, Hood, I really do appreciate your time. I, I thank you for uh, for taking some time and just reliving the memory with me. Um, that was really well, cool. thanks for having me. So that's uh, Hoot Gibson of uh, Mesa Verde Times, and you can find it at mesaverdetimes.blogspot.com. You can read all about uh, Horizons and uh, what he did and his adventure. And uh, Very cool. All right, Dave. All right. Well, hey, Hoot, thanks very much. I, I do appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Horizons. Once again, I'd like to remind, remind everyone, kids, don't try this at home. It can be a very deadly situation, if not just dangerous. Plus, of course, uh, in this post-9-11 era, going into a backstage area, going in somewhere that's, uh, that's not allowed, could subject you to severe penalties. You could be arrested, you could be jailed. 